0: Welcome back to episode six of Rain in Your Heart. Today we're talking about analysis paralysis and how to kick it out of your life and take some messy action in your business. So analysis paralysis happens to tons of people and if it happens to you, that's not something you need to feel bad about. It's very natural and so it's just something that you need to kind of recognize that it's there and take some steps to make it go away. So. If you spend hours learning, planning, you need to do to grow your business online, you like write lists, you watch videos, you read blogs, but then by the time you're ready to take action on everything you've learned, you're exhausted, you don't feel like working anymore and so you just turn on Netflix instead of executing the plan you just made, that's analysis paralysis and today we're going to talk a little bit about how you can get over
1: it. Oh, yeah, definitely. I feel like I'm always having to combat this, especially now that I'm a new mom. Um, I feel like she is, um, it's just another obstacle to overcome, um, especially trying to get any work done. Um, I feel like I freeze, and then I'm like, okay, we'll just turn on Netflix and do something else. Uh, uh, most of the time, I get a lot of work done during nap time, but sometimes I'm just like, I'd rather just take my own nap instead of actually getting work done. So what I've done now is I've really just tried to, like we've kind of talked in the past, is to schedule out my days and really write down, even the night before, I write down exactly what I wanna get done that day. I don't overdo it. I usually list maybe seven things that I'm gonna get done that day. Um, A lot of times I almost look at my week. As long as I'm getting those things done during the week, then I'm happy. So that's my biggest way to combat that, especially with having a little one in the house and even sometimes having to take her to the babysitter so I can really concentrate on those things.
0: I really like that idea of seven things because I'm super guilty of making a to-do list that has like 50 things and being like, "Well, I can do that. And then the end of the week comes around, I'm like, a pent up ball of stress who just wants to hide in bed because I didn't get the three hundred things that I decided I could do that week. Yep, well, I was totally yeah. Optimistic.
1: I've listened to <laughs> I've listened to a lot now. Like, okay, don't overdo yourself because I used to do that all the time and sometimes I still catch myself doing it. I try to have like a master list of things that I want to eventually achieve like you know have a website for this podcast that we've talked about I have like a master list of all the things I want to achieve and then if there's like if I feel like I have extra time that week or whatnot then I go to that list and take something from that if I haven't if I have the time
0: that yeah that's perfect yeah because I like you know in theory okay I can write a blog post in an hour and I can break that blog post down into social media posts in another hour but if I block Eight hours of doing that, you know. By the time I'm four hours in, I'm creatively exhausted. And of course, you can't, you know. Yes, can I do that? Yes, but can I keep it up for eight hours? Stint? Absolutely
1: not. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I'm really trying to like spread out my writing, and then like it's okay to just do some admin tasks, especially right after lunch when I just want to take a nap.
1: Right. Which, yeah. I'm especially sure. it's hard to get back to work after lunch. That's like, Oh, now. I just want to go off to the barn and do something like. Because I think I've read something, too, like we're the most productive in the mornings and in the evenings. So, yes. And I catch myself all the time, like after lunch, I just want to go do something completely different, not anything business related. And lately it's been working well for me because I'm trying to get up early before my daughter gets up and I get a lot of work done then. And then I get a lot of work done before we go to bed. So in the afternoons, it's almost perfect to how it's working out for me now.
0: Yeah, that is really perfect. I can't wait for the hundred plus degree days to go away around here. Cause yeah. then I'll be able to do that. Like right now, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm getting up at six and going out to the barn because it's just miserable to be out there when it's any hotter, but I will be able to structure my day better
1: once it mm-hmm.
0: all comes. Come on fall.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so the key to taking action is setting those small actionable goals. So if you want 10,000 followers on Instagram, Don't just say, I want 10,000 followers on Instagram and then get really frustrated and discouraged when that doesn't happen for you. Because you have to do a lot of work to get those 10,000 followers on Instagram. So when you make that goal, kind of reverse engineer it so that you know, how are you going to get there? So write down exactly what actions you're going to take every day to make it happen. So maybe you're going to, you know, find 10 new accounts that you love, comment on their posts, like their top three posts, and really, like, make a relationship with that person, then you're going to post one high quality post um, five days a week. That's a strategy to get you somewhere versus just saying, I want 10,000 followers, I'm going to post a bunch, and it's going to happen, because that's not a realistic plan that you can track, that you can decide if something's working and if other things aren't. And so, you know, it can get really overwhelming if you want to have, you know, 10,000 subscribers on YouTube, 10,000 followers on Instagram, 1,000 people on your email list that are funneling to your blog. Like, these are all massive, massive goals that take a lot of time and energy to create. So you want to avoid overwhelm and start by choosing one thing to focus on. So maybe that's your Instagram account. Maybe that's a Facebook group. Maybe that's your YouTube channel or a blog. But choose one platform and then get that one up and running really well where you have a lot of engagement it's bringing you clients it's really working out for you before you add another one
1: definitely um for me uh, I was doing this a lot especially when I started my business is I joined a lot of Facebook groups that had to deal with um horse communities um like um, even if it was a business group um, just to give an example, I joined a while ago, uh, Fallon Taylor's passionate project group, and I was just in there just to learn and see what kind of tips I could learn. Cause I really admire her business and how, you know, she's a very successful barrel racer mm-hmm. and how she runs all these businesses. And I just was curious about that. And I got in the group and I introduced myself and talked about what I did. And like, I had tons of comments on my post about, oh my gosh, I need your help. I need your help doing this. So, I mean, it was like I quickly got the clients and, I mean, I still have clients from that and I love it. And then for me, I like to really focus on Instagram and I might not always be the most consistent. I really wish I was more and I, but I, when I'm on there and I am staying consistent on it, I just love the community. I love um, engaging with everybody. Like, uh, especially, you know, you end up finding the people that you really like and you're um communicating with them and like you're just like best friends instead of it might not be a person to person but you really really like what they're posting um and you connect with them even through social and like I've learned so much about our community and everything through Instagram I feel like the horse community is huge on Instagram (laughs) and then I think one place that we're really growing is YouTube and um I've seen too have gotten a lot of engagement on YouTube um And a lot of my clients are really trying to get on YouTube. I think that's where the horse community is really growing is in the YouTube section right now.
0: Yeah, I totally can see how that is. Because every time I have a question about, you know, okay, there's this like one thing I'm trying to do when I'm working with MJ and I can't get her to do it. What do I do? I go to YouTube. I Mm want to know, am I putting, is the bozelle sitting right on her nose? I go to YouTube. So I think that YouTube is a really smart place
1: horse people would be right now Mm -hmm, definitely definitely so like you were saying with you think when you go and you're trying to youtube something when you're working with your horse I think a lot of times what trainers are not doing with with youtube and what I'm trying to help with trainers do with youtube and get results for is you know maybe they need to be growing their email list so in their description they could be um, putting their email in there or maybe they have a course on on a different platform that you need they need to be getting clients over there and transferring them over there so that's what I've been helping trainers get trainers do and get some results for is growing that email list and getting their course grown because I feel like um, you know it's hard for trainers to make a lot of money Um, it's definitely a tight spot um and I think definitely being on an online platform is where they need to be. So that's a good point that you're you're going on and YouTubing things. So I think it's a that's what I've actually been trying to attack now, is to really help a lot of trainers because I feel like that's where they're missing out on some spots for sure.
0: Totally. And so if you're a trainer and you're thinking like, okay, so I made this video and that's great. But a lot of us can't really watch a video while we're working with our horse. So then if you were to say, you know, grab my freebie below that maybe like walks you through the steps of what the video taught or showed a diagram or something. And that's something that I can print out and have in my pocket at the barn. And I don't have to worry about like, getting my phone all dirty or trying to see the screen in the sunlight or whatever else it might be. Like that's a massive way to get people from your YouTube channel onto your email list.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: You know, pop that freebie in there and people will be grabbing it up like crazy. Mm Mhm, For sure. But regardless of what you decide to do, once you choose your platform, the most important thing that you can do is let go of the idea of perfection. Perfection simply doesn't exist. And it can completely paralyze your growth. So if you look at my Instagram feed, you're going to see typos, you're going to see grammatical errors, and I create um, a bunch of graphics with words on them, and even some of those are misspelled because I forget to use spell check in my Photoshop app, and I'm dyslexic, so you never know what the heck <laughs> is going to fly out of my fingers. <laughs> But my Instagram is also full of heart. It's full of real feelings and authenticity and meaningful conversations in the comments. And that's really me in a nutshell. I am a massively imperfect person, but I'm also, I have a ton of energy. I'm really passionate. And I think it shows that very well. So whatever platform you choose, it should show you as your real self. If you waste a bunch of time Trying to be perfect, trying to make sure like, oh, I said the wrong word in that video, I'm going to re-record it. I don't think this caption is perfect yet, so I'm going to post it next week when it can be perfect. That's just stalling out your growth. Don't wait until you have the perfect plan, the perfect images, the perfect bio. Just start posting, start blogging, you know, shoot video from your phone. It doesn't matter if you don't have um, a really high class camera or studio lighting. You can make adjustments and improvements as you go, and that way you're really sharing your journey with your audience and showing them your growth. I'm sure a year from now, when April and I go back and listen to episode one of this podcast, we're going to be cringing <laughs> at, at the growth that we've made. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. We're not letting perfection stop us
1: from making strides today definitely definitely yeah before we get on these podcasts you're like oh man we have so much to work on but it's just about getting like one percent better and um one quote I really like is like done isn't perfect and you just gotta get it done like yes. it needs to be out there for sure um I mean for me uh, most of my YouTube videos I put up are just of me with my camera or on my f- phone um I don't have one of those fancy DSLRs or I don't have, um, one of those, I think it's like a Mark or whatever, one of the
0: oh, cameras, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: I don't have yeah, any yeah. of that, I mean, I don't have the equipment, I did get a GoPro for Iceland and they were having a huge sale on it, so that's, you know, that's a different <laughs> thing, but, and my husband can use it for motorcycle, but I don't really use it otherwise for anything else, um, but yeah, and when I started blogging, I'm not a big writer. Like, um, and I, I'm a numbers person, like I'm an accountant, as that's my what I went to get my degree in and everything. So I rather do numbers all day, and especially when I'm doing my MBA, it's like writing is really, really pushing me. So when I was doing <laughs> blogging, <laughs> it wasn't the best. But then when I learned all about SEO, Yoast, and kind of learning all the analytics behind that. I almost kind of played with words like they were numbers because now I was like, okay, now I need to figure out how Google's looking at the words. And then it kind of changed it around for me. But when I initially put out my first blog post, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm going to introduce myself. And I surprised myself because that's how I got my first client. Like I wasn't like, I don't know if I'm going to, this is going to work out. Like I'm just kind of winging it. And my first client found the blog post and reached out to me and, she's still a client today so and that's like almost two years now so
0: wow that's awesome that's a great story i love it yeah so it's time for our midway section horsey break so we're going to talk about our favorite just horsey slash tech product whatever favorite thing we like to use with your horse so mine is definitely my bareback pad i think it's Best friends bareback pad. It's super thick. So I had a problem when I had my first horse was an Arab, and I was I had just finished up a Division One swimming career, and all of my muscles were melting off of my body because I was no longer swimming for 20 weeks, 20 hours a week, and I was no longer in the weight room five days a week. I was either with the horse or on the couch. <laughs> so I was like just shrinking down to nothing and. Uh, My horse was an Arab, so he didn't exactly have a lot of padding either. And the first time I ever rode him bareback, I could like feel my pelvic bones like crunching (laughs) on his spine. (laughs) Like, Okay, okay. this is terrible. We're not not doing this anymore. So um, my husband got me my bareback pad for my birthday that year. And it's amazing because it's kind of suede. And so you stick to it like glue. And I was able to jump in that bareback pad. We galloped around in the field like we did anything we wanted. I actually put the first couple rides on MJ using it because I knew I wouldn't have to worry about, like, if she got excited getting stuck up in the stirrups or anything, like, super easy to slide off. And it's really comfortable for me and
1: the horse. So that's my favorite product. Uh, well, I'm going to do a throwback on my favorite tack. Um, it's, I don't currently have it anymore, but it was uh... – a nice, uh, Western pleasure saddle. It wasn't silver, like a lot of ones you think of, but it had like a, a brown metal to it and had like little gold flecks on a, a lot of the brown metal. Um, I might have to like post a picture of it or something, but, um, it was very unique. So if I did go in the Western pleasure classes and I wasn't going to like big A rated shows, but for some reason, I just really wanted this a saddle and <laughs> it was a, christmas present and i was you know i picked it out at the tax store and we put it on like layaway or i don't know exactly i mean i was younger and um my dad hated that i knew i was getting for christmas like he just he just hated that i knew it so the whole like christmas uh, december he's like saying oh no the tax store they lost it they went to get it fixed and they lost it or (laughs) they sold it to somebody else and like the whole month and i'm like just devastated and then, like, Christmas morning, um, they're giving me – or I'm opening all these presents, and then, you know, I'm done or whatever. I was like, oh, well, I didn't get my saddle. And then, so, we're just kind of hanging out, and then my dad goes into the room, and he brings it out and this big old box. And I'm like, I knew it. <laughs> yeah. It was good. rider bb gun do you know that movie yeah yep yep, yeah that's exactly what it was yeah yeah so uh yep that's what I got I've got my nice wish and pleasure saddle and I and it was with my first horse and um I had it and I kept it forever I even after my horse passed away and um I was big on taking care of it and whatnot because I had a previous saddle before that had broken on me and so I was big on making sure it stayed nicely conditioned and everything and um but then once he passed away and i tried to fit it on my horse that i have now and it was just way too big like it just swallowed him because i had oh. a huge 16 hand big yeah. stocky horse and then my guy now is much smaller not as quite as stocky <laughs> so it did, it just swallowed him and i was like okay we we're not going to keep this i kept the matching like headset to it but i sold the saddle and um then I bought my, I bought a, I did buy a nice camera with that. For I was like, oh, I'm gonna use this when I come to Germany and take all these nice pictures. And yeah, that didn't go as planned, but <laughs> I had <have> the camera. <laughs> hey,
0: that's messy, imperfect action. You, you did it. Someday yeah. you'll, someday you'll take more imperfect action with the camera. <laughs> but, yeah. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think I'm going to sell my saddle because I do like MJ's for my husband and then I will eventually get another narrow Arab, but it's definitely Mm -hmm. like not a great fit on her. We need.
1: Yeah. And it's just hard to let go of something that has, because it just was so kind of sentimental since it was, with my first. And it's just, it was was... such, it was just such a unique piece. And then I think that company that made that saddle actually went bankrupt and they were no longer making saddles. So it was kind of even more, you know, just definitely a rare thing.
0: Yeah, my saddle's an endurance saddle, that they don't like it anymore, so I very well might go horse shopping with a saddle and be like, oh, sorry, you don't fit it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. we'll see. We're a couple years out from that. I'm going to just keep it in the garage, and mm-hmm. I'm holding on to it for now, but send if i no, have visions to it that, it, that might just
1: change. <laughs> yeah, send all the visions to it that the perfect horse comes along that'll fit it. <laughs> yes, yes,
0: that's perfect. <sighs> So before our break, we talked about kind of the general mindset, about overcoming the overwhelm and taking some action, but we didn't really talk about what actions you should be taking. And if we sat here and outlined exactly what you should be doing on each program, we'd be here all day, and so we just can't do that. But we do want to give you some tips on how you can set yourself up for success when you do outline what you should be doing. So the first thing is really committing to consistency over quantity. And I know I say this a lot, I've said it on the podcast, but I'm really going to keep saying it. If you can only create like two really high quality posts a week or two videos a month or one blog post a month, whatever it is, commit to that quantity and make it really great and keep doing it don't try to show up every day if you can't produce high quality content without getting burnt out because one if your audience can't trust that they're going to keep seeing you they might not stick around or they're going to forget who they are you aren't going to have an impact on them and two if you're forcing yourself to create content when you're not feeling like it it's not going to be high quality
1: definitely Um, it's definitely like it's more it's not a sprint at all for sure it's more of a marathon Uh, slow and steady wins the race for sure Um, and like I've been I've learned in the past that four hours it takes four hours for someone to constantly see you either through Instagram or through Facebook or on video just four hours of seeing your face before they can trust you or feel like they get to know you and that they can either you know purchase a product or become a loyal fan so it's just about staying consistent so that you can be in front of that person for that amount of time if you're just posting here and there then you're not showing up in their feed um, and they can't count on when they can make sure they're gonna see you so you definitely want to make sure you're staying in front of their eyes and you want to be make sure you get to that four hour mark for sure.
0: I love doing this podcast because I learn new things all the time. I had no idea it was four hours. But think about when you're scrolling through Instagram or Facebook or even YouTube, if you're only watching like two or three minute videos, how long it takes to rack up to seeing someone for four hours.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's a lot. It can
0: be months, a year, depending on how often you show up. So Mm -hmm. that's why it's so, so important to stay consistent and don't get discouraged because it is a long game. But one way that you can really up your long game is giving back and engaging with others. So I really, really can't stress this enough that, you know, getting growth and getting engagement is not a right. Just because you're posting every single day doesn't mean that people are going to start just like throwing money at you. Growth and engagement is something you have to go out and create. You have to create a community around your content. You have to talk to other people online. You know, when you see someone and you think, oh my gosh, that person would be the perfect client for me, don't just think that and then wait for them to come engage with you. Engage with them. Comment on a post. Say, hey, how's it going? I love your horse. I love your barn. I totally understand that you're frustrated with this training thing and here's a tip to help you or whatever, but create a real relationship with that person. So April really talked about the community and Instagram earlier. And I think that's really worth repeating because when you scroll through whatever social media platform you're on, you shouldn't just see little squares of strangers. You should see friends. You should recognize who you see. You should remember the conversation that you had three days ago and continue it in another post or whatever it is. Make sure that you're truly creating community because that's where growth
1: comes from. Mm-hmm. So and you got to remember it's social media. It's called social yeah yeah, yes you have to be social (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah and so sometimes you know maybe that's really hard for you maybe you struggle with putting yourself out there so just start by saying once a day I'm going to comment on somebody's post Mm -hmm. and it'll get easier and you'll get better so reply to every comment that you get those comments are gold every time algorithm sees your piece of content getting engagement it gets bumped up a little bit so it's really important that you thank those people and if it's just a you know a goofy emoji just give them a thumbs up back it doesn't have to be anything massive but make sure that you acknowledge those people that are engaging with you
1: yeah or sometimes i even like if i respond back and they are seeming like they're interested maybe I'll respond back even with a question and not even like a yes or no question but trying to further engagement just like I would if I'm in person and sometimes when I get new followers um and I you know know they're in the same niche because sometimes you know you get those weird followers you're like huh but <laughs> when they're in the same <laughs> oh, niche, <my> <laughs> so you know, I like to give them like a dm and like say, hey thanks for joining in the community and you know, this is what I do. And, um, what, you know, just kind of thanking them for following you and maybe share a tip or something or say, Oh, I saw on your post or on your Instagram or something. So I always sometimes like to try to send a DM and make it more personalized.
0: Yes, that is so important. And, you know, don't set up a bot to do that for you. Mm-hmm. Do it real. And, you know, people are going to really start connecting with you that way. Mm-hmm. So the more you give back, the more people will give to you. And that's really important in the world of being social on social media. So go out there and choose your platform, commit to consistency, and start creating some really heartfelt, imperfect content. I promise you, your story is worth sharing, even if you're kind of wondering if it is or not. And tag us in your content because we would love to see what you're up to.